episode of Podcast. I am Jordan along here with Brother Brandon. Brother Brandon. And best friend Ryan. Hello, everybody. And tonight, of course, you download this episode, so you know we're talking about everything Stephen King because us three are so freaking geeked out. This, oh, my God, dude. This for, week. For it. It it's, is it's being, being released. released. This week. I'm excited. Oh, I don't know if you can feel the energy is great. I'm so excited. You gotta feel these nipples. Woo! I'm so not excited. Just, not just they us. could cut glass. They could. <laughs> God! You could cut through coal and make diamond. Oh my God! Not oh. just us though. I think. Oh, I. It has been. It as a story has yeah. been such a precious, has been such a loved story, that to know that it's getting not only a movie, but it's we're gonna have a two-parter. You know, so it's it's finally, and we're gonna have a we're having a director that says it's 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 for the fans out there. I'm doing it for you. You're gonna have your due. Yeah, this is a big big deal, man. I'm I'm I'm. This excited. is a big deal. I'm so excited. We're gonna tonight this episode. We're gonna talk about everything Stephen King from the books that we uh, were reading when we were growing up to the books recently, all the way to the movies we were growing up into the movies now recently as well. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is all just leading up to it. Now we're not gonna talk about the it remake because we have not seen it yet and it has not come out yet. But we will talk about the it movie in the 1990s and also the it uh, uh, novel as well. I, I'm so excited to talk about this because Stephen King, my God. Stephen King was a novelist where I was told you cannot read. He <laughs> was, was too scary. I was never given that. It no, was, me neither. I, I got told by my mom, uh, he's adult, like that's adult literature. Yeah. Well, adult books is for grown ups and stuff. Yeah. But I was never told, hey, no. Yeah. I was right. just warned, like, it, it, there's going to be, like, stuff in there. Well, it's like St- Stephen King nature in general, like, especially at the time that we were growing up. That was that was when the TV movies were like fucking left and right. Oh yeah, and like my mom, my mom loves Stephen King. So, you know when when Storm of the Century was being aired, when Rose Red was being aired, like even though those two aren't aren't necessarily great, it was still cool to see that this three night event. Like there was like when they still did events on mm-hmm. television. Yeah, <laughs> before long before streaming took over. Like the, it was still cool to know that Stephen King was like, oh my, he was, he was gonna shut down before The Walking Dead, before anything, yeah. for three nights. Everybody was glued to what his new TV special is. Absolutely, I mean, I mean, Stephen King was something in the '90s and and the '80s, like in, in the novelization form, he fucking owned the '80s. Absolutely. Now, I think we should start off with our introduction to Stephen King, mm. if if we can remember. And Brandon, brother Brandon, mm. you will not probably remember this, but I will remember this until I am dead in the ground. Okay. Uh, so the I don't remember the year, but it was in the mid '90s. We were old enough to know that movies were fake and blah 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 blah. I'm gonna say '97. <clears throat> Scripted. <laughs> That's what we call a callback, everybody. <laughs> nice if you listened. Anyway, uh, but. I, you know, I would argue and say it's 97. So, um, we spent our summers. Brandon, brother Brandon lived in Gainesville, Florida. Uh, same dad, different mom. So, technically, we're not full brothers. We're half brothers, but we're full brothers. Hey, blood Fuck is blood, you. man. Blood is blood. Yeah, blood is blood. <laughs> so, same dad, different mom. Uh, but our dad, uh, his mom, 
Uh, we'll always, and God rest her soul, because she has passed on. Uh, Grandma Hooberry, Joyce Hooberry, was her name. Her name was Sawkill at one point in time, and then she remarried and became Hooberry. Which she became a Who. <laughs> which, which that name itself was just like. I remember when I first like started dating my wife, you know, and I was like, "Oh, my grandma Hooberry just died," and she was like, "Your grandma what?" <laughs> like, she was like, "What?" You know, for for you know, for just that, Your for just, sounds like a bitch. For just like that one split second, because because Gina, uh, my wife never met you know Grandma Hooberry, so she was like, "Grandma who what?" <laughs> you know, but anyhow. Right. But uh, every summer, uh, Dad still worked. Uh, because adult world, there's no such thing as summer vacation. <laughs> and Brother Brain will come up from Florida. And I say Gainesville, be, you know, just go with it. You know what I mean? Well, it was the nearest town. Yeah, it was the nearest town. And uh, we would spend our summers at Grandma Hooberry's house. And Grandma Hooberry took us to movies. Hollywood video. Hollywood video. We did an all episode <laughs> about podcasts, about movie rental stores. Check that one out. It's called Movie Rental Stores. Check it out. Uh, but um, she had um, her nephew stay with her. Sometimes during the summer, and and uh, we're not gonna say his name, um, but uh, he would always go after the summer and do whatever he wanted to do. But he always would leave movies, and there was and this was my introduction to Stephen King, where Brother Brandon and I would watch episodes of South Park because he would videotape South Park, uh-huh. and that was dirty at oh, the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he would record uh, our ne- uh, well, her nephew, so our cousin would record the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episodes on these blank VHS tapes. And what we watched those. VHS, I ask you, yes, sir. <laughs> I was strolling through the gas one day. So we watched Simpsons like it was her job. And then we watched another one, which was In Living Color with Fire Marshal Bill and Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. But there was this one blank tape. And I remember it was a blank tape and it had a white sticker on it and it just in red pen said it. And Brother Brandon was like, what is this? So we put it in. Being young. Now, 97, I was born in 87, so I was 10. Brother Brandon's three years younger than me. So we put it in, and it's the movie It. Yeah. He recorded it off of TV in 1990, or a rerun, or whatever it was. We never watched part two. We (laughs) only watched part one. I don't know why I, we never I, watched part two. I, I don't don't think remember we remember this at all. You don't remember this? <laughs> no, no. Well, because I don't think we knew there was a part two. But, part... but it ends abruptly. Like that would be like but, it doesn't like the, the part one doesn't finish the story. It scared us. Uh, wow. Brother Brandon and I could not finish it. It was it was it was Georgie scared us to death with Pennywise. But the scene that always scared Brother Brandon and I the most uh, was when uh, they were in the theater. No, I'm sorry. It was the uh, uh, shower scene. That always got me. The mm. shower scene. And he came out. Mm. Now you watch it now, which I've seen it with this past year of being 30, and that stop motion was ooh, it's terrible. But, I mean, at the time when I'm 10 and Brother Brandon's three years old, me, so, so he's seven, right? Yeah. It, it just it just scared living shit out of us. Um, and I didn't know what Stephen King was. I didn't know anything about this. And that was my introduction to Stephen King. Now I don't I'm not, remember that at all. Of course you don't, because I was scared shitless. <laughs> I did. When, Are you sure I didn't fall asleep the first five minutes, brother Brandon? You and I were we were like, fuck <laughs> this. You looked at me. I will never forget your face. You looked at me when Pennywise came out of the fucking sewer in that movie. You went, nope. <laughs> you said, nope. 
And then you went to Grandma Hooberry's bedroom and watched Johnny Bravo. Oh, shit. So, I remember that right. to the day I died. But see, like, like my... I don't remember that at all, man. I, I like, like, well... At that time, I probably didn't make the connection to Stephen King. But my first introduction to Stephen King was... Um, was not until 8th grade when my Aunt Jan... Uh, well, she and my own Uncle David are no longer married, but when they were together, she was part of the Stephen King book club. That was a huge thing in the 90s. So she got all, they're not first editions, but she got all of the book club editions. Every hardback, everything from Carrie, I think all the way up to Bag of Bones, I want to say. I think it's the last one. So as my initiation into high school, and I told her, I was like, I read Christine. I read Christine in eighth grade. Eighth grade was my first introduction to, to King because I knew of the movie. And I was like, oh, I saw the movie first, unfortunately. But I was like, I got to read the book now. I love the book. So I told her about it. She was like, hmm, okay. Well, I have every Stephen King book in hardback. It's taken up space. I don't need any more. Um, do you want them? I was like. There's a Pope shit in the woods. I was like, oh, yeah. She gave me everything, everything from Carrie to Bag of Bones. I think Bag of Bones is early to mid-2000s, I want to say. It? I thought it was like 98. It was, it was in the 90s. It was still 90s. It was I 90s. Can't remember. I can't remember. I haven't read it yet, actually. But so I had, she just gave it to me. It was two cardboard boxes full of just Stephen King books, hardbacks. Well, the easy, easy solution. Do you have um, the whole Dark Tower series? I have one through three. Okay. Because the, the last couple came out in the late 90s. Okay. I, I, I have I have Gunslinger, I have Wastelands, and I have Drawing of the Three. 89. It's up to 89. Okay. So I know Bag of Bones was the last one on, because like that was when the book club ended. That's when she, I guess, maybe got out of the book club, and Bag of Bones was the last one on the shelf. Okay. So I'm not sure when that release date is. What about you, best friend Ryan? What was your introduction? Your introduction to King. Uh, okay, so uh, like you guys, I watched it when I was a kid. Um, they had it at the local video store just down the block. Um, uh, I was scared of that. We watched uh, Tommy Knockers as well. Um, Have you gone back to Tommy Knockers? No. Oh, you should. I should. You should just, just, just to tell your younger self. My God, you're an idiot. Because <laughs> this movie fucking horrible. I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know if that compares to Lawnmower Man, but continue. Um, <laughs> but like, I wasn't really aware of Stephen King because like, uh, I had watched parts of Carrie because my mom really likes that movie, Carrie. Oh, yeah. Um, she, uh, my, uh, my uncle, uh, my mom's brother, he really liked Christine. So like, I've seen, like, I had seen bits and pieces of Stephen King stuff. I wasn't really aware of Stephen King, you know, the, and I never the connections were never really made at that age. Exactly right. Um, and uh, eighth grade was when it really started happening. Uh, I was a nerd. Oh yeah, that's not a bad thing, guys. There's no stigma to it anymore. No I more nerd say, shaming. Same way with books. Yeah, I was I played, same way. I played Dungeons and Dragons. Eighth grade, I would go to football practice for two days. Jordan, because my, my town wasn't like your town. <laughs> We're going back to this. Three episodes later. I'm sorry. So I would go to football practice two a days, and then uh, this is in the summer, and then me and my cousin, Jared, uh, we would go to my uncle, my mom's uh, uh, youngest brother, and we would play D&D &D for like three or four hours a day until my mom got off work. She would come pick us up. 
and the D and D stories that he wrote because he was a dungeon master. Um, the dude had a has uh, I haven't talked to him in a couple years, but last time I knew he had a he is a like one of the best imaginations uh, I've I've ever seen, and he would incorporate books that he'd read. So yeah. like um, our Dungeons and Dragons stories were a combination of what the what the manuals told him, uh-huh. a combination of the Dark Tower series, combination nice. uh, as well as a combination of. Um, Tom's Covenant, The Unbeliever, which was a book series that I've never read, and then um, some other some other high fantasy novel. Uh, it, was, it wasn't Lord of the Rings; it was something else. But he would he combined all these in a very fluid story, which when you when you look at them, they're not similar at all. Right. Like Tom's Covenant is not similar to Gunslinger; it wasn't similar to the other one. But so since he was telling us these these Stephen King stories, essentially we were living through them. I started reading. I just like started like looking up on Wikipedia the the stories and stuff. And the first the first actual piece of Stephen King books that I read was The Stand. Oh my god! That's what a hell of a fucking book to start into. There is this great place, this wonderful place that I would love was no, I would wish to be closer down in Columbus, Ohio, for you people. It's called the Book Loft. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. It no. is it is a small like uh, McMansion kind of. It's a, it's a, like a, just a, like a large house. Okay, is divided into thirty two rooms, just wall to wall books. Oh, it's fucking. It's in German Village, so it lo- the building looks nice inside. It's great. Nice. And I got hardback, the complete unabridged version from nineteen ninety with with illustrations and stuff in it. Oh yeah, for twelve dollars. Yeah. Nice. I know, and that's that's what I st- so I started in on a like twelve hundred page book. <laughs> it took me nine weeks to read, but I did it, and it's a fucking fantastic book. See, even though like Christine was my first novel, where I started really understanding King, and I still feel this, I still feel this way to this day is his short stories. I, I, I will. I King is such an inspiration to how I I think and act while I'm writing. But a lot of people misconstrue that for his novels. I never, I'm not going to discredit his novels. His novels are great. I think what where King shines the most is his short stories. Children of the Corn is an example. Is a short, it, The Mist is a novella more more than a short story. Yeah. But I mean, his short, uh, so many of his short stories. Oh my God, I can remember reading so many of them and being more terrified of those short stories yeah. than those novels. Well, you know, also what introduced me to King was Dad. Really? So, 1996. I think it was 96 when we saw it. So, I was nine and you were six. Okay. Because 1996, the greatest movie of our nostalgia came out. Uh, the producers of Jurassic Park, uh, uh, Twister. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Twister was 97. Twister was 96? Really? I have, a, I have a great story about Twister. It's incredibly off topic, but every time Twister comes up, I remember this because I've associated it forever. Um, my wife, uh, her sister got, her younger sister got married two years ago and the best man, uh, for his speech decided to wing it. All right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Always a great start. (laughs) And so his speech was about 90 seconds long and it was mostly ums and uhs and stammers, but there was one line and I'll remember it till the day I die because it is ingrained because it's just amazing. (laughs) He, he said, uh, Kyle was the groom. He said, me and Kyle, hung out all the time uh, we, we watched Twister and other stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's nice um, <laughs> Twister came out in 96 
and dad worked at uh, the Andersons. Uh, they have now closed, so Rest that's why I can peace. say not now. I can say <laughs> her name. Uh, and it was dad's weekend to have me. It was the beginning of summer. Brandon wasn't up yet, and dad said, "Hey, do you want me to take you to go see Twister tonight?" And I was like, "There's folks in the woods, uh, yeah." Uh, it's Twister. Fuck yeah. He goes, well, I have to work for four hours. So I had to sat, so I had to sit there where his little computer desk was in the main area. You know? Yeah. For four hours bored. Uh, waiting to go see Twister. And we go see Twister. And this is the next introduction of King. Or before Brother Brandon's and I story at the beginning or whatever. But there was, the, there was a period between 96 and 99 where it was this, I started getting a glimpse of, Who's this guy King, you know? And the reason why I bring up Twister is because it was the F four tornado scene at the drive in. And it was oh, and it was shiny. it was the yeah. shiny. And I said in my and it was Jet Nicholson with the axe and I go, It's I had an, an elbow with dad. I remember, always remember dad. Yeah. You know how stories with me and dad in theaters. And I go, Hey dad, what's that movie? And he is that real? Is that a real movie? And he goes, That's the shiny, I'll show you after. <laughs> he showed me the shining we came back to his trailer and he goes here's the shining sorry my fault that will edit that here's the shining and i was bored it was so boring i was like what the fuck is this shit like you were what? scared by it i don't know well, i was I think, bored I, I think for the shining for a kid probably doesn't for a nine-year-old it was boring probably doesn't uh hold the weight whereas i don't know because the shining is it's it's a build to absolute dread like as the movie progresses you're like oh my god you just feel the weight of dread but as as a nine-year-old you don't you don't, don't understand no. that level of true. fear you know it's what i mean very, i mean i mean like as fear, fear for a nine-year-old is like something physical yeah like if you were to watch like uh okay let's if you were to watch um like, like friday the, the 13th right Something physical, something yeah. like Jason approaching at you with a machete. That's scary. It's it's boom, 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 boom. Something's happening. Adrenaline rush. Right. The Shining is, because as you get older, I think, you start understanding the world a little bit more. You start understanding the world's horrors. Yeah. You start understanding natural horrors. Like, Absolutely. Because So, so I, then as you're watching The Shining, that's why I think The Shining is so effective. It's like, even though King disregards it, and I'm not a... We'll, we'll probably get into his we'll probably get into his TV adaptation but the reason why Kubrick's Shining is so effective is because it's just that slow build it's that slow build into madness yeah and you're and you're watching a family helpless you're watching this situation of just uncontrollable dread and doubt and I think you as a nine year old you don't comprehend that no yeah because because at nine years old I was like do I really want to watch Danny Tanner ride around in his big Tanner room? Tanner not Tanner why did I say Danny Tanner? It's Full House. Yeah, that is that is that's from Full the, House. That's Pod Pass. That's a yeah, that, hey, that's Full House. You're making connections without even realizing it. Yeah. How many anyway. years in are you? Yeah. <laughs> Goddamn oxys. I popped six oxys and I jugged a beer. I'm good to go. But anyway, nine year old kid doesn't want to see Danny run around in his in his in his big wheel. You know, he wants to see Jason. You Torrance. know what I mean? Danny Torrance. Danny Torrance. Yeah. 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 Like he did, I mean, it was, so it was very boring to me, and I didn't, I don't, I don't remember if I stayed awake for the rest of the so, movie. So, I guess what we can go into now, like, uh, we've talked about, we, we've hinted on books, 
that we've read. Like, what was the... Well, you said It was the first movie. Like, what about you? What was the first Stephen King adaptation that you made the connection that this is King? What was the first movie for you? It probably... Well, are you talking about, like, the... Like, how I view Stephen King? Or, like, like this is a product of Stephen King? A product of Stephen King. Like, that you knew you were like, oh, okay, since now that I'm aware of a King... This was the first movie that really was like, oh shit, okay, people were adapting shit into his, adapting his stories into movies. Probably the Green Mile. Oh really? Oh, wow, okay. interesting. Um, no, my uh, my mom, my dad really liked that movie. Yeah. It came out in '98, but I remember watching it like we had it on the VHS to the two. Oh, the two, the two tape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God bless Titanic and the two tape. <laughs> yep. We had we had that. Uh, that edition of it and they watched it a lot and i remember i remember uh watching that quite a bit and i'm i feel i feel like that is when i started thinking like you know like um hearts and atlantis and all these yeah other, yeah yeah the, these the, other the non-horror of king yeah right like shawshank redemption mm-hmm. that was in the 90s oh, as well oh, yeah. you might as well have called tnt shawshank redemption <laughs> in the 90s every saturday and sunday shawshank was always oh, yeah. on so I just watched that fucking thing. Hey, get thing. Him cheap, man. That yeah. wasn't that was a box office disaster, like not a disaster, box office failure. It was. Yeah. It was a flop. It, well, it, like well, King and Darabont were both. Uh, if you watch special features on on Shawshank, they were both hoping for Oscar gold. They were they were striving for the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I always love Red's line. Why do they call you Red? Maybe because I'm Irish and he's black. I... <laughs> he's Irish in the short story. He's yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. a white guy. Yeah, it's, it, I just find that funny. My introduction to King as a movie, uh, after it, uh, well, like as a, as like a product, like you saw a movie, and you're like, oh, that's that's Stephen King thing, like you knew, like it was based on something else. It has to be Pet Cemetery, boys. Oh, Pet nice. Cemetery still to this day scares me, and it's because of all of us it's know a terif- the one books and movie. It's, it's just because of the scene. Fun fact: never seen, never seen or read either. <laughs> you need to I see know. Pet Cemetery. I, I, I got. Like I've 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 explained to you that to uh, explain this to you uh, in private conversation. I've told you this too. You have I, spit you on have your chin. On your beard, yes. I just, oh, do I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, shit. I'm just not like out of anger. <laughs> spittle comes. Like I like Stephen King. I I think that he is a super accessible uh, writer. Yeah. I think he's the the great. I think he's the greatest pop novelist America's ever had. Horror um, novelist, especially. Yeah. And like I like horror stuff but i i never got into horror movies you need to see pet cemetery as soon as you possibly can because of rachel oh oh god it's like it's like it's like ants under your skin oh i hate zelda what's what's also movie and book what's so traumatizing about pet cemetery is the loss of a child yes and how far a parent especially now that you're a father jordan yeah how far a parent will go to want to bring their child because back. it's not really about a pet cemetery. That's what the crazy it, thing is. It, it, yeah, it's about how to recover from loss. And if you were giving the chance to recover that loss, how far would you go? Be- Morally, yeah. how far would you go? Because the reason why I like pet cemetery was the basic premise, and this is basic. So I know hardcore fans that are listening to this, or maybe even Brother Brandon will be like, "Oh, shut the fuck up." But the basic premise for somebody who has never seen it is. You get a family that moves into this uh, town in Maine, the small town in Maine, and a, and across a, and across the street from their house, there's this pet cemetery spelled with an S. Yeah, I know you bury, they bury the child and the thing comes back, whatever comes back. But 
it's not in the cemetery. You have to walk through the pet cemetery, through these woods, to this ancient Indian burial ground. And you bury your loved one. If, if it's my wife that dies, I'm the only one that can bury her. Nobody else can in order for the quote-unquote curse to work. So, Brandon, like, Brother Brandon can't bury my wife, neither could you. Uh, and then I bury her, and then I go back home, and my wife comes back to life. She's not technically a zombie where she, like, eats your brains or eats you, but, but she's... She's, st- she's still not... She would still not be fully cognizant of yeah, anything. She's, um... She's... She's murderous. Murderous, kinda. I mean, I mean, I mean, like, I mean, like, like she like, can't go to McDonald's and order a burger. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, she's just like, she's like, I want to kill you for some reason. Okay. You know, very like, angry. Well, very, it's very animalistic. Like very animalistic. Yeah. Nothing, nothing cognizant. Nothing very uh, humanistic remains. It's all, it's all animalistic in nature. Like that's all that remains. And in the and and in the story, uh, the married couple has two kids, a son and a daughter, and they have a youngest son. And the youngest son, Cage, Cage, um, is playing in the street, and a semi truck comes and runs him over, which is fucking brutal in the movie. Which, on actual, this is actual. This actually almost happened to Stephen King. That's why he wrote the son almost got ran over. Yeah, they lived on a they lived in a house where the highway was just busy full of semis, and they were just booking it. And his son. I can't remember if it was Owen or if it was Joe. I, Joe, I can't remember who the two, but they and his daughter Naomi. It could have been one of his. I can't remember which of the kids, but they came close to almost walking out into this onto that road. And King's, I guess, snatched him just snatched him or her just in time before the the yeah. semi barreled through. And, and yeah. it was out of that moment where he was like, "Oh shit." And then in the book, you know, Gage unfortunately gets ran over brutally in the movie. Yeah. Um, and then this, and then the father decides to either leave him be buried or bury him in the pet cemetery. And then you get a zombie murderous Which kid. Is, here's what back. I've always loved so much, especially about early King. So much of his, like so much of his popular stories were built off of what he experienced in real life. Like the reason why, if you ever like, if you ever dig deep into Stephen King, you're like, why are so many stories about cars? It's because the motherfucker was almost killed by a car. Like yeah. he was hit by a car and he was he was like in a hospital for months. Wasn't there a book where somebody goes back in time and saves him from getting hit by a car that he puts himself in? Yeah, it's the Dark Tower. So is that the Dark Tower? Yes. I believe. Okay. Yeah. So because he, he starts he starts major... putting himself into the yeah. series. Yeah, he's a major character in the sixth and seventh book. Like he uh, he he. It he... doesn't sound. It's not as stupid as it sounds. <laughs> okay. Just it sounds. It sounds. The stupid. the main introduction for me, the movie, the main introduction was there's two actually. Because I saw them back to back because I rented them. Yeah. And this was this is what was so crazy. I rented them both without knowing they were Stephen King. Even though, like, because, like, here's the thing. With the old rentals, they never had the cover of the VHS. They just had the blank VHS sure. within, the like, this plastic clear case. Sure. So you just, they were never, like, there was never the VHS cover to know what you were renting. That's weird. It mine, was, mine always had those. It was a cheap ass store, huh. so why I would, saw. Why would they just throw away the box? Doesn't it come in a box? This was Cross City. This is Dixie County. This is. <laughs> I think Warnos drove through there. I mean, it's just. <laughs> so the two, one I knew, but one I don't think if I remember right didn't have Stephen King. You know how most things had Stephen King's yeah. the title. Mm-hmm. One was just the title. 
and it was Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> nice. The other one had Stephen King's, the title, and it was Stephen King's The Graveyard Shift. Mm. So I had both of them that weekend, and it was, oh my god. That was my introduction to movie-wise. Once I saw the credits, it was like based off a short story. You know, like, uh, I think Trucks is the actual short story for Maximum Overdrive. And then The Graveyard Shift being short story by Stephen King, The Graveyard Shift. And so I was like, this is when the time where like school had internet. So I had to go to, I had, when I got to school the next day, I looked up what the stories were and I realized I was like, okay, I got to get fucking the night shift collection of short stories. I got to get skeleton crew. Oh my God. That is where my love for King grew is the night shift and the skeleton crew. Those two collect his short stories to me is King. Like that is why I love King. What got me into King 100% was uh, Children of the Corn, which is still my favorite story. Mm. Uh, the movie and also uh, the book. I mean, like, I know the movie's not good compared to Kubrick's The Shining, but I've always loved that story of Children of the Corn. It's, I, just, I just find that very creepy. It, there's an interesting so. mythology to it. It's yeah, very yeah. interesting. I, I've, I've always loved it. I also find it fascinating that Children of the Corn was published in Playboy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think no. it's almost one of those things too, where it's like where people still make fun of King now to this day, where it's like taking something so normal, something so, just some everything somebody knows on a normal daily basis, and trying to make something horrible out of it. Yeah, you know that whole joke of like in, in Family Guy, where he's the like lamp. Yeah, he's like a scary lamp. Ah! And he's like, you're not even trying anymore, are you? No, yeah. But same thing with a cornfield. Like, who would have thought? to look at a cornfield and try to make something terrifying out of it. Right? I mean, it's just, it's just he who walks behind the rose, Isaac, Malachi. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 really, really fun. Uh, I will disagree with King. Um, I think all three of us will agree that Kubrick's Shining is, of course, superior. I've never Com- seen his adaptation from the 90s. Oh, it's oh, I know, oh my god! I've heard nothing but bad things about it. Oh, it's so. it's it's wonderful. Uh, during another shows <laughs> that, that 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 I don't do anymore, but a long time ago, uh, show we did a Stephen King retrospective, and you know the Steve, and of course you know the Kubrick's version. So imagine this at the end of the TV adaptation, okay? Who is Tony, the finger voice thing in Danny? Right, in the TV adaptation. You, mm-hmm. you read the books, you got to correct me. Tony is grown-up Danny, shining to young Danny about the warnings of the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. At the end of the TV movie, Danny graduates high school. And he is celebrating. And all of a sudden, he looks up in the distance, and he sees the ghost of his father blowing him a kiss and then he grabs the kiss out of the air and puts it to his cheek. Credits. Okay, so here's actually, that's actually not a bad segue. Um, one of the main issues I've always had with Stephen King novels, because I haven't really read a whole bunch of his short stories, so I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, they're, they're See, that's, short, so. I, I, I've, read, I've read a good handful of his novels, but where I'm strong with King is his short stories. Okay, so... The thing I've noticed, especially with his novels, is that he has a super hard time ending them. Oh, yeah. Like, it dra- like the ending happens for, like, 70 pages. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, it, like, like it, it is one of my favorite books of all time. I love that book. But it has 100 pages at the end you could, you could do without. Probably even more. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, like, the big climax happens where they defeat it, 
And then it goes on for like 150 more pages. Yeah. About what? I haven't just got like, a chance to finish the rest just of Just like, again. you know, the destruction of dairy, their lives after, and all this stuff. Oh, but we don't need to know that. I know, but like he, but like that's, that's part of my point. Like he has, he has a hard time ending, like finding the right spot to end his novels. And like even, even the Dark Tower is like, that's a, essentially, he, I hear it, I've heard it described as a one long book, but it's not really when you read them all. Because like the first three, are vastly different from the fourth, and the fourth is pretty vastly different from five, six, and seven. It's like five, six, and seven. That feels like one long book, because um, the the story flows from one to the other, whereas there's like gaps between each of the other books. Right. Um. But like, like he does a great thing in the third or er, in the third one, the Wastelands, where it just ends mid scene, and he picks it back up at the beginning of the next book. I think that's great, but like again with it, and then even with the stand. I mean, at least the unabridged version I've read, it goes on way too long after. The What's the ending, ending of Stan? I never got a chance to find out. Um, so spoilers. So <laughs> the big thing with okay, so the the big the plot overview of the stand is is Randall Flag. Okay, so Captain Randall Flag releases Captain Trips, uh, decimates the vast uh, vast majority, like ninety percent ninety percent of the population of America, and so he start he starts a camp in uh, Las Vegas, yeah. and then uh, Mother Tabitha starts a. Uh, a, a clan in Boulder, Colorado, and so essentially, Good versus Evil, which is a big story of Good versus Evil on this giant canvas, and they end the good guys end up going to um, Las Vegas, where Randall Flag has an atomic bomb, and the atomic bomb goes off. Like they they pull a trap and they set off his atomic bomb and blows up everything, and they just rebuild, essentially. Like they make so like he blows them up. So he blows he, they blow up Las Vegas, and then there's like 200 pages, at least in the one I have, of them getting back to Boulder. So the good guys go yeah. against Randall Flagg. They defeat Randall Flagg by nuking Vegas yeah. and Flagg. Yeah. And then they go back to Boulder to build the world. Yeah, to rebuild the world and the destruction. But yeah. like like but like the point is like they destroy like they the climax. They beat the bad guy and then there's then there's just two, like 200 pages of one of the characters getting back Nick, the deaf dude, getting back to oh. Boulder. And then they still have scenes in Boulder, like with this baby being born and like the yeah. it's the baby's immune, so the population is going to be immune and all stuff. But like it's, yeah, it's great. Another another great book. Just he he has trouble for me ending his novels, but I don't know about his short stories. Uh, short stories is where he I, I I will say this to probably to the day I die. Like that's where he is the strongest. That is where his ideas because I think because he has such a knack with his novels to just to string on so long. That it becomes almost dry, you know what I mean? Like it's just you, mm. you get bored. Whereas short story, you have to have a definitive ending at a certain pace. That's why the raft is so good. That's why, like, uh. even s- some of the stories like that are just so off kilter and weird, like uh, Gray Matter. Have you ever heard of that one? Mm. It's essentially um, this this alcoholic, abusive husband who gets a hold, there's like this weird gray matter. Like, I don't know if it's alien or if it's something like scientific, but it's it's this blob of thing that gets on his beer. And as he drinks, he keeps drinking beer, his body malfunctions and like misshapens to this gray matter, almost like this weird blob thing. And it's, it's so weird. And you got like the moving finger from Nightmares and Dreamscapes is weird. It's this giant finger that keeps growing out of the drain and gets bigger and bigger. It's just like I it, that to me is where I think King is the strongest because that's where he explores and he has a reason to to centralize on one idea and because it is a short story you have to end it you have to 
that's the whole nature of a short story. You have to condense it. And I don't know, like to me, that is where he's the strongest, always. Interesting point on that. And the reason why that I know all this stuff is because of Brother Brandon teaching me all this stuff about Stephen King. But argument, probably unpopular. Is Stephen King better where the movie does not, as a movie form, where the movie does not say flat out, this is a Stephen King movie. I will give you two movies case in point, Stand By Me and Shawshank Redemption. Well, I think I think are those the most successful movies he's ever made? Well, I think till now? that it relies on mostly his input because, like, I mean, he probably had no input on like he probably had some input because him and Frank Darabont are buds on on the Darabont features like the Miss and Shawshank right. and the Green Mile and Rob but, Reiner the same way with with Stand yeah, By Me and Misery. Yeah, like, they're named, good buds too. He, yeah, he named his production company Castle Rock. Right after, yeah, uh, the town, yeah. That's rough. I mean, and I mean, like it all. I mean, it all depends. And also, you gotta imagine, like, a made-for-TV movie is not gonna get top qual, like top flight director, and 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 even, like, even when he writes this the script, like he wrote the script for um, the Stand, uh, miniseries. As a, it's like I think it's like six hours long. Have you seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that even has parts of what I like. Like it's a it's a pretty faithful adaptation. Like he condenses stuff, but like it's fairly like, like the last episode. There's like thirty minutes of fallout, mm-hmm. like falling action, and that's again falls on the point where he doesn't he doesn't know what end stories, but like. I don't think the I don't think the quality of the films is related to him. You don't think so? No. Uh, yeah, uh, because like, well, it depends. Because I think it's, I I don't know the transition of when King became. I don't want. I don't know how to word this. A brand. Yeah, it almost felt that way because he wrote the entire script for my favorite movie of all time, Creepshow. Like he wrote the script to that. And that was his love letter to EC. Now, it wasn't his, it wasn't based off anything he wrote. It was just his love letter to EC Comics. So that's why I think Creepshow is fucking phenomenal and why it works. It's because it's nothing adapted from his stories. He's just paying tribute to another source. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of it, um, like the, the great, the quote, great movies that, that come from his work, I think that. Um, the people who are making them understand why they're good, why the story resonates uh, in such a way. Or maybe it just hit that particular direct, because Darabont wrote and directed Shawshank, he wrote and directed Green Mile, he wrote and directed The Mist. Like, maybe like he just understood differently than, than somebody else. Like He figured out what works in that story and why it was effective, and that's how he was able to successfully translate it into a film. Which is crazy for, 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 uh, for uh, Frank Darabont in his first big feature, essentially. Yeah. For for Shawshank, he's uh, got, well, he's only made four movies, right? The Majestic and those three Stephen King adaptations. And um, yeah, and then he and then he produced the first season of Walking Dead. That's all I know. Oh, directing wise, I'm not sure. Yeah, and he also wrote uh, the Blob, uh, the Blob, but he also wrote uh, Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also wrote he also wrote an unused script for Indiana Jones four. Yeah, so let's let's get that. Let's let's just think <laughs> that it was better. So you guys may not like this little game, but I thought about this. Uh, yes or no, and uh, those are the quick answers. You can't think of anything else but a yes or a no. The first thing that pops in your mind, a yes is a yeah. You need to see this. Like are we explain? Are we explaining? Yeah, yeah. No, hold on. I'm I'm explaining the game to you. Okay. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna name off Stephen King movies, uh, that we all 
pretty much no. Mm-hmm. And your answer is a quick either yes or a no. A yes is, yeah, this is this is a good can movie. We, I enjoy give, it. Can we give at least no longer than a minute explanation yeah, of why? Yeah, I feel like we need to explain. Because, I mean, it doesn't sound very good for the person listening. Like, go watch okay. this. Yes. Okay. Go watch this. Right. No. So, let's go on that. Okay. Stephen King, uh, the first movie I can think of would be Carrie. Is that a movie that everybody needs to watch? Yeah, no. I don't know if you have to watch it. Are we talking about 76 or 2014? No, no, 76. Well, then there's that one in the 90s, too. The TV movie oh. in the 90s. Oh, The Rage, <laughs> Carrie 2. No, 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 no. no, no. There's, there's a movie. There's whole other oh. remake of just Carrie. Oh, there shit. are three yeah. remakes of Carrie. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I thought there was only the two. But The Rage, Carrie 2 is amazing. <laughs> um... I would say you don't necessarily have to. Like, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's a good movie, but I don't think it's an, I don't think it's like essential viewing. But um, if you're interested in King, sure, go ahead and watch it. Right. I to go off Ryan. I would say the same thing. It, if you're if you're a King connoisseur, definitely. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely. Here's the thing about the movie, though. It doesn't. It it feels more like uh, the Palma film than it does a Stephen King work. I would agree. And yeah, and it's. Well, I mean, until the final thing at the prom, it's kind of dry. It's, 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 it's a little uneven. It's very dry. And also, isn't it in the novel that she actually doesn't go berserk in the actual prom? She goes berserk when she's outside and she looks in and watches everybody do it? I've never read the book. I can't... I can't... Re- no, I can't remember that. Okay. I don't know. I'm just curious. There's uh, not going to be in any particular. I'm just kind of playing around. I'm not going to do much of them, but a Salem's Lot. Uh, yes. Never seen it. Yes. Okay, never okay, seen it. Okay, actually, fun fact about Salem's Lot. That's the... That is the only Stephen King book I didn't finish. No, really. I didn't. I didn't. I, I do not like that book. It, it's it's a bad book. No, it's just okay. So I'm in high school. I'm, I'm I think I was 16 when I read it, and I still have it. It's in a it's in a box somewhere. I got the book's like 600 pages. Oh my god, is it really? Yeah, uh, and I got more than halfway through. Yeah, and the main plot really hadn't kicked in by that point, so I was like, it I'm, still didn't. Yeah, like, really? like like at that point, one of the characters had disappeared, and everybody was like, oh, shit, where is he? You know, yeah. we got to find this guy. Uh, I, was a, I think it was a kid. But, like, I was, like, I'm halfway through, and, like, the main plot is just now starting to move. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, see, that's one of the things, too, because I only had two more movies I wanted to ask, but so we'll continue that in a second. But that's the one thing I've noticed, because I uh, asked my wife a few weeks ago, when she was going to our uh, local library, I was like, hey, you know, I want to see the remake of it. You know, do you mind picking me up the book? I kind of want to read it, you know. And I'm only on, like, chapter four, and it's taken me a month to get to chapter four. You're not going to get it done before. No, it, it, it's, I, I, King is so dry. See, I don't think he's dry. I well, just think it, it's dense. It's, it's dense, a dense but, but, like, like, the beginning of it, the book, he spends four pages, four pages on how Georgie liked the rain on his raincoat. Hmm. I'm like, okay, yeah. I don't care. I, I don't care. Far. No, okay, so what I like about it, the book, and why I think it is, I think it's his best work. And a lot of people say, it will say The Stand is his best work. A lot of people say The Gunling, or The Dark Tower series is his best work. I think I think it's his, his I think it is him at his full power. It's, because um, like, I think that was the first book he had written, he had finished. Um, after he overcame his drug addiction, it was daring. I thought. No, it I thought was... I thought Cujo was the one that when his his wife was like, "You're yeah. you're done. We're done with this stuff." Yeah, I think you're right, Cujo. 
yeah. that was when he had to start going through like uh, treatments and stuff like that. So I think I think it is like like that's like because it, it... well it, what's what's interesting about Cujo too is like he he disregards the ending. He hates the ending he wrote for it. Yeah, he even talks about the movie did it better in the yeah. in the Dark Tower series when his character's in there. But like what I like about it, um, uh, the book is that even if he does spend these long passages on my like seemingly minor things, the book it, what the book is um about uh the different like how you how your childhood is lost essentially and then and you're not you, you can't gain it back but you can try and all this stuff and it goes in these the uh the things that stick with you are things that uh, affect you emotionally and and in this in the book it, it it's essentially like the the scary moments in, in the kids lives. Yeah. that's that's what they reflect on what they they keep with them yeah like they don't remember much about dairy other than it which I think this is our segue into like towards the over halfway end of the show here where we talk about it because I mean we're we want to do this episode because we're excited about it and uh, I I don't want to be that guy <laughs> that's like every person before the Dark Knight that's like nobody can play the joke about Jack Nicholson uh, um, for Pennywise he's talking about yeah but for Pennywise it's like I don't know. I am. I, I've seen the Pennywise trailers, so I mean, like, I've seen the makeup as the clown. I don't hate it. I like it. I think. Uh, it looks, I think it looks. I think wait, it looks, are you are are you done with your game already? You were only talking about two books. <laughs> that's, that's true. Let's give us another one. We'll talk about it in ten minutes. Give us another one. I mean, like, we're, this is Stephen King in general. So, like, okay. throw out at least ten more. Cujo the movie. Yes. No. I don't think. I, I don't think Cujo the movie is actually that good. It has a scary. I think it it could be kind of scary as a kid, to a kid perhaps if you're afraid of big dogs. But other than that, I was not. Uh, it was it was it. it was Jaws, but with a dog, pretty much. Not uh, not not really. You don't think so? No, I don't think it was Jaws with a dog. I just I, I I don't think it's that good of a movie. I think it's one of the best siege movies, in that category. I I don't know. I I I love the idea. I love the simplicity of it. I love the idea that, uh, especially since the build-up to that moment, I love that D. Wallace, like, it's just a shit car. It's a shit marriage. It's a and gremlin. <laughs> that's, the, that's the car. It's a gremlin. <laughs> hey, Otto, there's a gremlin on the side of the bus. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't know. I There's something so, again, it's one of, Stephen King is best at making normal things horrifying. You know, when you when at, at at here at the table, if someone would be like a rabid Saint Bernard, you could be like, oh yeah, yeah, maybe if it was like one on one, yeah, it'd be kind of horrifying. But this grand scope of it, you'd be like, eh, whatever, put a bull in its head, it's done. When you're trapped in a car with nowhere to go, and you have your kid who also has, I think, if I remember right, asthma, like some sort of breathing problem, in a in a hot day. There's just all the elements against you, and you have this, this unnatural, big-ass fucking animal who just wants to kill you. The scenario itself is terrifying. And, I don't know, I, I just... I agree with King. I think it, it is a little harsh. The ending in the book is a little harsh, because... And spoiler warning. You have three seconds now. One, two, three. Okay. In the book, the kid dies. In the movie, he does it, and he was like, "Oh, I, I, 
even now to this day, he's like, I don't like what I wrote. It was just, I was in a dark place when I wrote it and I don't like how I ended it. So there is that air of like, of that, because I'm a huge fan of triumphant characters. I like, you survive, you're in a situation that's horrible. You don't know if you're going to survive it. All of the elements are against you and you still come out on top. There's just that element, that classic storytelling to me. So that's why the movie works more for me than the book. The book's not bad. Um, I think the whole relationship shit in the book can, eh, it's a little, you're like, oh my God, okay. Yeah, they're having troubles. Let's get through. Come on, King, let's go, let's go. But in the movie, I think it condenses it better. Huh. Children of the Corn. Yeah, uh, I like that movie. I think I think it's I think it's one you can like. I think it's 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 not scary. It's just like super creepy. It's like a very creepy film. Um, it's... But again, it's like Carrie. It's just, I, I mean, it's not. I don't think it's as good as Carrie. But like you don't you don't have to watch it. It's just an interesting thing. Right. I'm the same way. I, I think I'm. The whole introduction is amazing, and yeah. after that is where it starts falling. I think it's just, I do think when they, when they first get to the town and they're yeah. going through and it's just empty. I think that's, I think that's good. A late night rental. Yeah. Uh, running out to buy it. No. Eh, if you, if you're a hardcore King fan, get it. If, if, if it's one, you're just curious, wait for, a, wait for a rental price or wait for it to come up on streaming somewhere. And don't watch the sequels. Don't do that. How? No, 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 Ryan. You yeah. gotta watch three Urban yeah. Harvest. Brandon Brandon loves three, man. Urban, Urban Harvest. Harvest. Is, it, is it the one where the stalk goes through the kid's head and pulls his spine out? With oh yeah, and it's when you get this giant puppet fucking monster of the like <laughs> he who walks behind the fucking rose, man, and he's just like, <laughs> and he's oh he's a monster. He's great. I he, love monsters. So <laughs> Eva Mendes starred in the fifth one. <laughs> Fields of Terror. Uh, um, see, like here, here's yeah. the thing though. Like, I fucking love the Graveyard Shift movie. I love it. Yeah. It's just, it's so, it's got such, it's, it's such a strong B movie sensibility, and the monster in it is amazing. That practical, like, like they call, I've always called it, and I think people, the fans of the movie, call it. It's like a bat rat hybrid. It's got like bat with rat. I don't. know, It's weird, but it's it's amazing, and like when and they do the whole Jaws thing. They only show you a little bit throughout the movie until the end where they show you the creature in full. And then they show you the creature's lair underneath the mill where it's just mounds of fucking human bones of everything it's been feeding on. And, oh, it's beautiful. And you got, you got, um, oh shit, what's his name? You got Brad Dorf as the rat killer. <laughs> he's got this brilliant moment where he talks and he's, he, he's a Vietnam War veteran. And he talks about what, what, um, what Viet Cong's did with rats and how like he was, goes into this whole weird eerie detail of like how they put rats on people's on prisoners stomachs and they put these giant silver balls over and the rats have to eat their way through because there was no way out and i don't know it's brilliant like if if you love b movies if you is it a good movie fuck no it's not gonna win any oscars (laughs) but it's amazing as a b movie monster movie so everybody just heard on the show brandon having three orgasms (laughs) That is how Brandon has orgasms. Graveyard Shift is so underrated as a movie. When Brandon has an orgasm with his wife, he's like, Oh, Graveyard Shift! <laughs> it just goes nuts. Children uh, of the Corn 3. Oh! <laughs> Bucket rats! Oh! <laughs> Bucket rats. I, don't, I mean, like, there's... King is so inspirational. Even if you're the person who's like... If you're that person who's like, I don't read King. 
fuck you. You know, you've watched something or you've read something because he's so inspirational. He's he's been that person who's been influential in your in your life in some way. Like you, okay. he's almost like Ronald McDonald at this point. You know, nice Ronald McDonald reference. <laughs> like, He's so, that guy. would you guys agree, if you have seen it, that The Lawnmower Man is the worst Sting, Stephen King movie? I've seen it. In terms of adaptation, well... Well, he sued and won. It, well, if you're, ta- if you're talking in terms of adaptation, you could almost kind of say Kubrick's The Shining is up there as well. It's not, all, it's not a straightforward adaptation. I will give you this example. The basic, simple or if you, Are you talking about just in terms of like what was made in terms of movie? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, like, Ryan, since you never have seen The Lawnmower Man or read The Lawnmower Man, The Lawnmower Man book is essentially about a guy who has a, a mental handicap that kills people with a lawnmower. What, the book? Yeah, the book. The, the story? Yeah, the, the short sh- story? No, it, it's actually, it involves in cult. Well, it's a cult, but he, 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 he kills people with a lawnmower. <laughs> he, 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 he. he kills people with a lawnmower. The movie stars uh, James Bond himself, right? Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. Who the t- movie? No, yeah, the it's mo- Jeff Fahey. No, I, I know, but I know it's Jeff Fahey, but it, James James Bonds is the is the main guy, and he puts him <laughs> in what? Into, James Bond. What James Bond? You it's you just Pierce can't Brosnan. say Pierce Brosnan. Is he in Lawnmower Man 2, though? No, he's in Lawnmower Man 1. Is he? I don't remember a that. A million dollars, I bet you. Oh, shit. Right. You don't even have a million dollars. I, I do. Show him. <laughs> but anyway, but so the book is about a cult and a lawnmower man who kills people with a lawnmower. The movie is about Pierce Brosnan, who was a scientist who was trying to do studies on monkeys and then he sees that his gardener is mentally handicapped and he puts him into a virtual reality simulator. Oh, okay. Sounds like the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they made a sequel. I know, I know. It's got very bad CGI. It's, it's terrible. Uh, worst Stephen King movie so far, would you guys say that you've seen? Okay, so I might go on a rant here. All right. But I... I I want to tell everybody how much I hate the Dark Tower film. Oh, you've seen it already. I I watched it in theaters opening weekend, and it is... is, uh, It's a very mediocre movie, but as an adaptation of the series, it it makes people angry. It makes me angry. And now I'm not like a super huge I'm not a huge like a super huge fan of the Dark Tower series. I read all the books. I think most of them are really good. Especially the first three. Um, kind of trails off in the middle, but it gets really strong. See, I've only ever book. read the first one. See, That's as far as I've gone. Okay, so it's okay. So it's three thousand pages essentially. Mm-hmm. Like the last three books are like over seven hundred pages each. Um, they get progressively longer as the series goes on. Right. Um, this movie, but without credits, is like ninety minutes. Yeah, I heard that it was very short. It is very short. And and so their their whole point of it was like oh the 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 universe is so vast the dark tower universe is so vast there's all this stuff we need to have a movie that introduces you to everything, um but like they combine elements from the last book with the with like parts from the first and the, uh, like throughout, and it they're they're trying to say that oh it is a sequel to the series this movie is a sequel to the series and one of the things that they used. To say that was in the marketing materials, they had this poster 
that had what that what's called the horn of eld which is a major which is a major instrument um it's descended from arthur the eld which is where like their 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 history is like yeah. arthur, uh, king arthur arthur the eld and so uh since he has that that means it's not the original series because he doesn't have that in the books he has it at the end of the book uh the end of the seventh book when he uh do you ever plan on reading them or anything? I I want I I only own I think the last one I own is four and that's Wizard and Glass. Wizard and Glass, yeah. Yeah, that's as far as I own physically. Okay, so I might spoil something for you. I hope I, I hope you don't get mad. Nah. So the whole thing about what happens is he goes he finally reaches the tower and the and the whole thing is about him trying to protect get the tower, to the yeah yeah protect the tower stop the stop Randall Fly from destroying it and then stop the Crimson King from destroying it. And he eventually does. He saves the tower, and he 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 climbs up because he wants to see what's at the top of the tower. Right. And as he's climbing up through the tower, he sees all these all these key moments from his life playing on each floor. There's seven floors. And when he gets to the top, he opens the door. He realizes what hap- what's happening because when he opens the door, he sees the desert. The opening of the book of the very first book, the first lines are, uh, "The man in black fled across the desert, and the gunslinger followed." Oh shit! So when he goes through, when he reaches the top of the tower, he goes through the to- uh, the door at the top. He appears back at the front because his mission hasn't been accomplished, and it just essentially reinforces the idea that the it's about the journey, not the destination. You know? Right, it's right. It's about what you what you do on the mission, not what the mission is. Um, which could be said for life, and that's probably exactly. King's like interpretation of life in general. Yeah, death is not the destination. It's how you get to death, like everything you do to death is like the journey like that's what you experience mm-hmm. um and so when he reappears uh in the mohane desert at the end of the seventh book he has the horn of eld which is a, a thing he dropped at the battle of, battle of jericho hill which is a lot of history i don't want to go into but he doesn't have <laughs> it and that's one of the reasons why he wasn't able to finish it's why the reason he had to go back to that point because he didn't have the horn but now he does um and so they're saying like oh the, he already has it so it's a sequel it's not the thing but never once in the movie do they mention the horn of eld they mention Arthur the Eld. They mention the guns and all this, how he's a descendant of Arthur yeah. the Eld. But they never mention the horn, which is very strange because it's supposed to be like a key point. But anyways, they just like just, they just like condense and bastardize so much stuff in it that it doesn't make any sense that they thought that was going to be like a successful... Like People would be like, I gotta watch the next one, you know? Right, right. Because like, he saves the tower and the stuff that they use to break the tower is actually in the books it's just in a different way like they don't use kids they use the kids to power the people who are destroying the beams that guard the tower um but no it's Idris Elba's really good in the movie but other than that it's just uh <laughs> now uh, here's here's something else like correct me if I'm wrong I've been hearing this through the grapevine that the monsters that are in this movie the Dark Tower movie they are the same species as Pennywise um, there are, okay, so, you have these things, in one, in the like, the last three books, you get into, like, the fantasy elements of the story, it's like, it's like a western, and it's like, an, like, the, the series starts out as a western, then it becomes sort of like an adventure thing, and then by the, uh, like, the fifth, sixth, seventh book, it's, it's fantasy. Okay. It, it, it is, like, it's not high fantasy, but it's fantasy. Right. And you get the whole, like, breed of monsters and all that stuff, and there's these things called tahines, which are in the actual movie. Um, which aren't introduced until the sixth book. But anyways, um, <laughs> so um, they have a moment in this film where he gets attacked by these creatures from the world, like from another dimension because the world's splitting because the tower is being attacked and all this stuff. Right. Um, but they never really, like, I don't even, I don't even remember what they looked like. But Pennywise is a vampiric spider. 
from another dimension. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think they were vampiric spiders. Um, but Pennywise is mentioned. Like there is a reference to Pennywise because they go, um, they go by that carousel in the scene. Actually, very close to when they get attacked by the monsters, they go past a Ferris wheel or like a downed carousel, and then it just says like Pennywise. And like yeah, circus letters. Cool. Well, because well, like for thing, anyone for it, anyone who doesn't for any listener who doesn't know, like Dark Tower, the series is essentially the backbone, the the hub of the Stephen King yeah. multiverse. Mm-hmm. Like every, like there are Easter eggs in almost every one of his books that relate back to the Dark Tower, and there's even some like um, Father Callahan from Salem's Lot. Okay, is a major character in the fifth and sixth book. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. So I mean, is overall as an adaptation of the movie it's not it is awful it is yeah. like they the <laughs> producers like where they were like okay there's so much here okay we need to condense it but like they used up the whole story so here's what's so fucking weird to me like why wouldn't you all right you you have a property that has a huge fan base mm-hmm. people oh there's a huge dark tower why not start off with just make the first movie gunslinger and just go down in, in succession. Like, here's... Okay, so they turned it essentially... They turned... Like, the, the series is for adults. Stephen King does... Like, I don't know if he's written, yeah. ever written a book, but his his main... His, all of his books are for adults. And this is a young adult. This is like this is like Harry Potter. Like, yeah. it's for young adults. They turned it into a PG-13, like, no... I noticed... I noticed... Yeah. A lot of people are comparing it to, like, it, it, in terms of how it's filmed and its style. It feels very much like the Maze Runner series. Yeah. 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 Um, there was, there was this movie that came out two or three years ago. I can't remember. Um, it's like Shadowhunters or something like that. Or that might be the TV series it's based off of it. Okay. Um, but yeah, like there is, it has Lily Collins in it, but it feels a lot like that. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't remember, but it was another shitty young adult adaptation. Now, are you aware of the upcoming TV show called Castle Rock? I am aware where they combine all of his like a bunch of the characters from his, his stories, and it's very it sounds very interesting. I'm very because it's Jordan? produced by J.J. Abrams, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And so it's so gonna have it's, a budget. It's gonna have and it's Hulu exclusive. So I'm wondering because well, like twenty two, what shit, eleven twenty two sixty three. I think was that one on Hulu. Not bad. I haven't watched. It's not bad. I haven't read the book, so I I'm not I don't know my knowledge of the book. But as the TV show, it's not bad, and it's probably one of the best things James Franco has been in. Been in. It, it's I, I enjoyed it a lot. So I'm I'm my hopes for Castle Rock, especially that teaser trailer. I sent it to you, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, like as especially if you since this whole thing is like podcast, like growing up with Stephen King, like seeing all those little benchmarks in that teaser trailer. Gave me a wicked boner. <laughs> I was I was very pleased to be like all these little things that are going to be part of, um, of the Stephen King universe. I can't wait to see what they do. And of course, I don't think we uh, all can't wait anymore for it. I think we've been chomping at the bit for the past year. Yeah, uh, you, you, to, uh, to definitely see this. Uh, from all I've heard about it is that they haven't even begun to film part two. They're going to see how successful part one is before they do part two, which I can't fault them for that. But part two in the book, I don't, I'm assuming, is not as good because in the movie, 
it wasn't that good. Well, see, there's either. no part two in the book. The part it's it's a set like yeah. each chapter starts with the present day, so 1990 them as adults or 1985 them as adults, and then they flash back to when they first encountered it. And then the, there's even a third part, and the, there's even a third layer in the book where it's you go back even further to Pennywise history yeah. and his the history his, of Derry, his terror on Derry. So you could go back to like things like incidents that happened back in the 1700s and the 1800s, and he was that he was they talk, so caused. They talk about this. Um, exp- uh, so it's, it goes like the 1800s. Uh, Derry was a lumber town. It was like a lumber mill. It was essentially what what started the town. They built around it. Was that the mill in the movie in the 90s where they were always were hanging around, or or no? No, they went to the Barrens. The Barrens is just like the creek, like the like okay. just like right. an overgrown area um but so like there was a mill accident that just that killed a lot of people um that pennywise is responsible for there was in the um, 1920s they had this um dairy works factory uh they had an easter egg hunt with a bunch of kids from town and the workers um there was a gas pipe explosion caused by it killed a bunch of kids there was um a blacks only nightclub that got set on fire which uh, isn't its fault he influenced it um and all these all these things uh one of the main characters my canlin uh the black kid yeah everyone leaves dairy except for him he stays in dairy because yeah. he promised that if it comes back because they didn't know if it was ever gonna come back but if it is he would he would be the one to know and he would contact everybody right he, he was back. he he made he made the initial pact that i'm going to stay behind for us like i'll yeah. be the one who you know like Stays his ground and just wo- keeps a watch over Derry, which is what happens, of course, in the movie. Because I, because I haven't finished the book yet, so yeah. I'm just going off. But so he, so he keeps the history. So he, he's been researching, and he knows that all the stuff and every every incident there is historical accounts from Derry of somebody mentioning a clown, mentioning a clown, mentioning a clown being there when it happened. Nice. And it can take any form. It's it's psychic. Its main form is yeah. the clown. It's telekinetic. It knows, but the it, it is the Pennywise is its favorite form. Like it's what. It, it and that's when out. like that that was the whole basis of Stephen King writing it was like, as you read it, it almost became this thing, and that's why I think became so popular is because as you read it, your own imagination took form of what it could be, and that's why he titled it it was he wanted to be so universally praised. That way, you could read it and you could be like, well, this is what I thought it was. And I could read it and I'd be like, well, no, this is what I thought it was. Yeah. And our own imaginations are, are creating something so different. And that's what's so brilliant about the novel. Do you guys think, last question, do you guys think that, and I know this is a very vague question, but do you guys think that this remake of it is going to hold up to our childhood of the 90s? It's gonna be better. I think it's better because just based on the trailer I saw, I think it's already better. Yeah, exactly. Um, you you've got uh, I don't know his name, but you got like one of the kid. You got one kid who's from Stranger Things. Finn Wolfhard. Uh, Finn yeah. Wolfhard. With the name alone. Real name. <laughs> Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> no, I, I, I see. Even even when, I don't have that nostalgia like that nostalgia stronghold on me with that original. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I think it's the, you know, I don't want to segue into like the Dark Knight, of course, but I, 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 I look at like the 1990s it as the same way I do as 2008's The Dark Knight. I think the overall movie gets misconstrued for one performance, and that's how I think it is. 
it what well, people who are like no it's fucking fantastic it's like well it's it's not. an okay movie yeah. with an amazing performance and that's why i think dark knight's the same way dark knight is an okay movie with an amazing performance and i think a lot of people are so hung up on tim curry as this performance that they're not they're not looking at the movie overall as a whole and realizing the tribulations and the problems that are within it and I think this movie is going to just really, I th- especially since the director who is like, I'm going to, the best I can, minus a few questionable parts that are in the book. <laughs> yeah, do you know what happens when they first defeat Pennywise? Yeah, the gangbang. The gangbang. Yeah. yeah. No, it's a gangbang. They take turns. It's, they run the train on her. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, minus a few questionable parts in the book, I think this is going to be probably one of the most stronghold one of the most forethought adaptations we're going to have of it. And I can't wait. Everything I've seen, everything I've seen so far makes me feel like it's somebody who has actually read the book mm-hmm. and like cares about it and sees it for, I'm not going to say like the important thing that it is, but like, like the, the greatness that's in it. Cause like I said, it's, it's one of my favorite books. And the, the, the actor who's playing it is that Alex Scant, Alexander Bill, Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård. He's okay. our age. You know, he's, he's younger than us. No shit. Really? He was born in June, 1990. His father is Stellan. Stellan Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Yeah. Which is funny because he was born in June in 1990. And in the book, it says that it comes out every 27 years and it's been 27 years. It comes out every 28 years, but close enough. Plus, okay. Well, <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> fuck me. You only made it to chapter four. You don't know that part yet. No. Well, I just know from, you know, knowledge, you know, of, <laughs> you know, of it that it's supposed to come out every 28 years. So. It's, uh, yeah, 56 and 84 and 28 years. Yeah. 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 No, well, we're, yeah, we're excited. <laughs> yeah, we are. I mean, I, we're, we're at our, we're at our end here. And, um, I, I know we didn't really talk about it as a whole. I mean, we can always, that's what's great about this podcast. We can always go back and, and touch, touch base on, on things later. Yeah. I think we were just like, we just wanted to ultimately talk about King in general. Absolutely. I mean, like, that's what yeah. this podcast was. So, yeah. I mean, like we wanted to talk about King overall. Uh, we wanted to, to, to just dive into everything King. Uh, but uh, of course, thank you everybody for downloading this episode. Um, and uh, you can check us out at movieguyspodcast.com. Check us out at movieguyspodcast.podbean.com and on iTunes which is Movie Guys Podcast, all you got to do is see the word podcast, and you'll see all of our awesome episodes that we have done. Definitely. So, uh, Brother Brandon and Best Friend Ryan, thank you so much for joining me in this episode. And we'll be back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just want to, again, um, by the time you guys listen to this episode, I may be done with episode two of Don't Bend the Page, which is the book Into the Pit. I may or may not be, but I just want to go ahead and put that out there that it may, if anything, I've recorded it and I'm editing it, so should be looking out for that. By the time you listen to this episode, I should be two episodes into um, Late Night Rentals. So, I don't know. I'm going to try and maybe see if either Ryan or Jordan or both maybe want to join me on one of those uh, in the future. So, I'll be looking out for that as well. And, of course, you can find me on Facebook, Brandon Salkill. That's S-A-L-K-I-L. And on Twitter, B Sawkill nineteen ninety B S A L K I L one nine nine zero and the only reason why I'm giving out the Facebook and Twitter is if ever you want to like hit me up talk about movies or books that are pertaining to those podcasts and podcast 
I'm more than happy to answer questions and talk about anything. So, yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, until next episode, we'll talk to you guys then, but we all float over here. We all float down yeah. here. Yes. <laughs> You'll float too. I hope you guys enjoyed the movie. I can't wait to see it. Uh, let's let's enjoy this movie together. Yes. Whether or not it, it ends up being what we hope, let's just be fucking ecstatic that we're getting an It remake. Absolutely. You want to you know something? Okay, so I'm sorry yeah. to break into the endings. Uh, I just I just remembered this. Okay, so this is a horror movie. Yeah. It's, it's marketed as a horror movie. I know girls from my wife's church group who are super excited to see this movie. Fuck yeah. That's how like that's how transcendent or the crossover appeal of this film. It's gonna it's it. gonna be a success. Like well like I said, Fallen Timber's already sold out for Thursday night. Our local that's insane. Theater. Our local theater is sold out. And my last question to both Brother Brandon and to best friend Ryan is do you want a balloon? Talk to you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Yeah.